I'm James Rule. Welcome to the Lonely Leader Podcast, where we help existing and aspiring leaders find clarity, build resilience, drive performance, and enhance fulfillment. The fear of criticism is one of the most debilitating barriers to being able to create and sustain high performance. I've met so many people who have ideas, have energy, have a drive and a work ethic to manifest those ideas and bring them to life, but instead get locked in a cycle of procrastination and inaction. And the fundamental cause is they fear critique and the opinions of others. Now, often we are fearful of things that will never manifest. But the harsh reality is that for people in leadership roles, particularly in very public facing leadership roles, criticism will always come with the territory. And if we allow that fear of criticism to dominate, then we are never going to be able to truly create and sustain high performance. So what I want to talk about today is some insights and some tools that I hope will help you in the way that they helped me during my tenures as a chief executive and now help my clients that I coach and mentor suppress that fear and move forward in spite of criticism. Because as I say, we'd be very, very fortunate as as leaders to be able to operate in a silo where we are completely immune to criticism. So I'll kick off by just referencing what I think is one of the best definitions of high performance that I've come across. And it comes from a gentleman called Phil Neville. That definition is that high performance is doing the best that you can in the moment you are in with the resources that you have available. Now, I love this articulation because it makes reference to the moment you are in and the resources that you have available. And I'll refer back to that as we move forwards through this podcast. I just also want to just briefly reference my career because I think it gave me a set of experiences that are relatively unique, but certainly gave me an absolute abundance of insight into dealing with and managing both yourself as a leader and your team through periods of criticism and adversity. I spent the early part of my professional career playing as a professional rugby union player, both in the UK in the Premiership and also overseas in France. The majority of my career, however, was as a chief executive leading two separate professional rugby league clubs. So I've seen both sides of the sporting fence, the playing side and the administration side. And I think for any of you that are uh, supporters of a sporting team, organisation, franchise, you will recognise that sport can bring out the very best in humanity. It can create huge surges of emotion it can create wonderful entertainment and sport as a vehicle has an almost unprecedented ability to engage and to positively impact society and people connected to that sporting organization as with all things in life there is a yin and a yang and on the other side of that coin there have been a number of high profile situations in recent years that you will have seen where the emotions connected to sport can unfortunately, in a minority of cases, bring out the darker sides of humanity. 
and criticism at best occurs as a consequence. And at worst, it moves into abuse, threats. And unfortunately, I have experienced that during my sporting career, those threats and those death threats and threats against family, etc. Very unpleasant, not something I would wish on anybody, but it does allow you as all adversity does, to learn coping mechanisms and strategies to allow you to endure and to keep moving forward. And so that's where I want to take us today, to talk a little bit about some of those insights and hopefully how you can apply them in your day-to-day lives. I'd like to start by talking about the importance of being decisive. As leaders, we have to make decisions. Many of us are making scores of decisions every single day. And something that really helped me in this regard was reading about Colin Powell, the former US Secretary of State. And he referenced in a military context, when you're making decisions, if you make quick knee-jerk decisions without sufficient intelligence, you could be putting people's lives at risk. So you have to gather intelligence to help you make those critical decisions. But equally, at the other end of the spectrum, if you wait too long, to gather 100% of the intelligence available, then you are going to drift into procrastination and inaction. And that also can put people's lives at risk. And therefore, he developed a principle which he called the 40-70 principle, that you need to have more than 40% of the intelligence to stop it being a knee-jerk, risky decision. But equally, you probably need to make the decision before you're much past 70% of the available intelligence. And whilst that was in a military context, I always took a lot of strength from that to say it's almost impossible to have 100% of the information available. Going back to that high performance definition, the resources that you have available. So I think that's important to know you have to make decisions. Linked into that, I think it's important to recognize that there will always be armchair quarterbacks. Now, this is a phrase that was presented to me by some of my clients that I work with in the United States, and they talk about the notion of an armchair quarterback. That's a sports fan who watches his American football team and then critiques the performance from the comfort of his armchair. That's a sporting analogy, but I believe armchair quarterbacks exist in every sector. They're the people that have solutions for every problem and are very quick to critique how people have operated in different fields. What unifies those particular individuals is they're often relying on the benefit of hindsight. And again, I take you back to the high performance definition in the moment you are in. You have to make decisions in the moment you are in. You'd love to have the benefit of hindsight. You'd love to have the benefit of 100% of the intelligence, but that's not the job of a leader. You have to make decisions there and then. You will get some right and you will get some wrong. I'm not saying it's nice to be on the receiving end of criticism and abuse that comes from that sort of armchair quarterback individual, but nobody can get every decision right. So we almost have to liberate ourselves from the pressure of expecting to make every decision the right decision, because we'll end up making no decisions if we allow that fear of criticism to permeate into our mindset. Moving on to a couple of pearls of wisdom that were given to me earlier in my leadership career. One was, don't take criticism personally from people that don't know you personally. Sounds like it's a bit of a riddle, but when you actually step back and reflect on those words, I am not for one second suggesting that we should tune out all feedback. Feedback is healthy. Feedback is positive. Constructive criticism 
can be essential in helping us learn and grow. What I'm talking about here is we need to have a bit of a filter. We can't just open ourselves up to any and every piece of feedback about how we're operating and the decisions we are making. And a nice initial filter is to say, if people close to us, our immediate colleagues, our boss, our loved ones, our partner, our husband, our wife, etc., are offering criticism, we have to really heed that because they know us personally. There is a strong chance, certainly from a professional colleague standpoint, that they will have a clear understanding of the moment you are in and the resources you have available. And therefore, it would be negligent to disregard that feedback. But equally, and particularly for those people operating in public-facing roles, you will get criticism from anonymous social media accounts, etc. And you have to take that with a pinch of salt because they don't know you personally. There is every chance they've got no idea about what you are dealing with in terms of resources and the moment you are in. Building on that, it's a similar principle, but a slightly different form of words. Somebody I respected and a former mentor said, you always have to reflect on is this somebody giving me feedback that I would want to go to for advice? And if the answer is yes, then really reflect and dig deeper into that feedback. Because we all have people in our networks that we hold in high regard, that have walked the path we're striving to walk, that have achieved things in our particular professional field. And therefore, it would be ridiculous to disregard their feedback. But if it's somebody that, you know, being candid, you don't hold in that regard and don't really have things to offer in your particular field. Then again, it's not that we are completely blind to it, but we have to filter that out a little bit. Very simple and sounds a bit flippant, but a simple analogy would be if you were struggling with raising your children, for instance, and you had friends who you really admired as parents and you saw what they were doing with their children, their children were thriving and developing, it, it makes sense to ask for their advice, but it wouldn't necessarily fit to go to another friend who doesn't have children and ask them for their opinion on parenting. Or in another scenario, you may have a friend who is very healthy, very fit, vibrant, full of energy. It would make sense to speak to them about how they work out, how they eat, how they sleep, how they recover. How do they maintain that vibrancy and that energy? But it wouldn't necessarily make sense to go to another one of your friends who quite evidently isn't in the same shape and isn't particularly healthy or particularly vibrant and full of energy. And our professions are no different. We must go towards those people that we admire and seek out their advice, but we must filter out some of the feedback that might come in from a wider standpoint. Building into this, I just want to touch on the point of self-validation versus external validation. Now, we live in a society of likes and swipes where pretty much every aspect of our lives, professionally and personally, is exposed to external validation. And the platforms that facilitate this are very clever. They are feeding into our need for that dopamine hit and an addicting pattern of behavior where we are constantly seeking that external validation. But if we can step back from that, the most important place to go for feedback is within. Because we can't kid ourselves. You know, the reality is people can tell us we're doing a great job. And we could accept that and say, well, I'm doing a great job. But in your heart of hearts, when you look yourself in the eye, if you know you're not operating at the best of your abilities, then it doesn't really matter what other people are saying. Equally, People might be telling us we're doing a terrible job, but you reflect back to that high performance definition and say, well, actually, no, in the moment I was in, 
with the resources I had available, I did the very best I could. Now, whether that outcome is positive or negative is a separate discussion. The fact is, you look within and say there was nothing more I could have done. The armchair quarterbacks, the people furnished with the benefit of hindsight can have a different opinion, but I have to look and reflect on the moment in which I was making those decisions. So I think that ability to look within is hugely important. It's a work in progress for all of us. We're only human. It's human nature that we're seeking external validation. But in terms of being more adept at dealing with criticism and suppressing the fear of criticism, one of the best ways to do that is to be able to rely on self-validation. And I just want to finish today by referencing a couple of poems. I don't profess to be a poet, but I've always really enjoyed reflecting on the words of The Man in the Arena by the former US President Theodore Roosevelt. It's a poem that has always hung in my home study, in my work offices, and something that I'd look at regularly. And I won't profess to know that off by heart and be able to read it to you now, but I encourage you to look at it because there are pearls of wisdom throughout the text. In essence, what he's saying is, get yourself into the arena. Strive to achieve what you're trying to achieve. You might do it and you know the thrill of high achievement, he calls it. We could put it in the context of the thrill of high performance. Equally, you might fail. But the critical thing is, you are not one of, in his words, the cold and timid souls that know neither victory nor defeat. Those individuals that sit on the sidelines and critique everyone and everything, but never have the courage to step forward and get into the arena to pursue their own dreams. We're all human. As I've said repeatedly in this podcast, we will make mistakes. And just because you get in the arena, it doesn't mean you're guaranteed to achieve your objective in every facet of your personal and professional life. But that's okay. And it's far less corrosive to you mentally in the long term to know that I got in the arena and I strive to achieve what I wanted to achieve. I didn't allow the fear of criticism to keep me on the sidelines and actually watch life pass me by and never actually have the courage to step in and try and bring my ideas and my goals to life. And the other quote that I want to just quickly reference is from a poem called The Optimist Creed. I think it's from the 19th century, Thomas Jefferson. And there's a line in there that says, to be so busy improving myself that I don't have time to criticize others. Now, I think that's a wonderful reference point and wouldn't the world be a better place if we could all embrace that, me included. We all have times where we find ourselves drifting into judgment or criticism. It might be behind the wheel of a car when somebody cuts us up. It may be reading about something in the news or listening to a particular politician. There's, there's various triggers that can draw us into actually delivering some of the criticism that we're talking about today. But if we could pause, moving back into that process of self-validation and say, actually, before I start to criticize others, what areas of my professional and personal makeup are not quite optimized it could be physical health i should be doing more to take care of myself it could be uh, skill development for your professional role there's things i should be learning about there's courses i should be doing it might be being more present with our children being more connected to our partner or our friends there's always things that we can look within and say, actually, I should spend some more energy improving that before i start criticizing so that's more of a philosophical end I hope that some of these principles will help. Criticism will always come. We have to galvanize ourselves 
to be decisive, knowing that we won't have all the information. We must accept the fact that when you make decisions, there will be armchair quarterbacks that will wait till they have the benefit of hindsight, that will have a deeper set of information and reference points to come back and critique. But we must filter feedback and remember that the most important feedback are not the people that we don't know personally, but it's the people that we do know personally and equally the people that we would love to go to for advice. That's where we should be focusing most of our attention. I hope you found today's episode useful and I wish you the very best of luck. Thanks for listening to the Lonely Leader podcast. I'd be very grateful if you could share and follow if the content resonates. And if you're looking for additional free resource to support your continued growth and development, then please do check out our social media and website details in the show notes. Remember, quality leadership on the outside must always start within.